Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. I'd like to talk about, I feel led to talk about the way to heaven. What does it take to get to heaven? If I put my sat nav, put on my sat nav and type in heaven, what do you think it would say? I'm sure it wouldn't know how to get there. But of course there is a way to know, and we have the Holy Bible to tell us how to get there. The Holy Word of God to guide us all the way. Getting to heaven requires more than just wanting to go there. So we need to take a serious look at the road to heaven and the many obstacles that make getting there a bit of a bumpy ride. In Matthew 24, verses 9 to 13, I'm not going to read it now, it paints a brutally, brutally honest picture of the Christian walk. And it's, it's the truth. The Word of God explains what it takes to go to heaven for all those who really want to go there. And that is all Christians, I'm sure. Listen carefully to, if that's what you want. Number one, you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In John 3.16, very well-known verse, it says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, that means die, will not die, but have eternal life. Number two, you must remain faithful until death. In Mark 13, Mark chapter 13, verse 13, it says, And everyone will hate you because you are my followers, but the one who endures until the end will be saved. The one who endures until the end will be saved. All the other teachings of Jesus and the apostles about this subject can be covered by these two ideas. For example, the Bible commands us to repent of our sins, to be baptized, to love our brothers and sisters, to bear fruit, to worship, and so on. And these are all various ways to express our faith in Christ. And those teachings that talk about personal holiness, prayer life, perseverance, developing a relationship with God and others are about remaining faithful to the Lord for your lifetime. Now those two, that means faith in Christ and remaining faithful until death. I believe we will find the second one, remaining faithful, is the more difficult. After all, the line between disbelief and belief is usually crossed only once. It may take you some time and patience to come to that decision, but once a person truly believes, he will, re believes he will rarely go back on his disbelief. Faithfulness, on the other hand, is mostly about delayed gratification. The reward comes, doesn't come straight away, not until the end. A baby wants his or her milk now. Even though it may taste better after a few minutes of warming, the baby doesn't want to wait, the baby wants it now. But we should, bring, we should learn that sometimes you have to wait for the reward. You have to wait for um, what you really want. And uh, faithfulness is like that. You need to finish your life faithfully in order to receive what the Bible calls the crown of life. Another reason why faithfulness is difficult is that it has so many enemies lying in wait to destroy it. Jesus mentions a few of these as a warning in his parable of the seed planting. 
in Matthew 30, chapter 13. It's a very well-known parable, but I'll repeat uh, part of it to you. It's about the, the sower spreading the seed on the different kinds of land and uh, the result of different kinds of uh, soil that the, land, that the seed lands on. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. And this is Matthew chapter 13, verse 18 onwards. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. So persecution for believers is, sorry, persecution for believing in God's word. In verse 21, for example, the pressure from non-believers to stop being faithful, stop holding on to your principles, to lower or compromise our Christian values. And also the cares of the world, for example, all those things that are not, not necessarily evil, but get in the way of us being faithful to Christ and his church. There may be sickness, bad weather, can't come to church, conflict with people, arguments, stress, maybe stress at work, stress at home, failure at work, not getting the job you want or losing your job, or moving house that's very disrupting to your life and you have to find new neighbours and new friends. Basically just what we call stuff, or children call stuff, just life. Before you know it, you're drowning in the business of family and life and have no time for the Lord. Jesus also mentions the temptation of wealth in verse 22. For example, the de desire to be rich, to be first, to succeed, to be valued, to find a place in the world. The deceit is that this desire and the effort that goes into it takes our focus away from Christ and his will for us. The desire for wealth and success dulls our spirit and interferes with our commitment to finishing. Why? We put aside spiritual things for a while in order to pursue wealth and either lose our way or never come back to Christ. Now in addition to these enemies that Jesus points out in the parable, there are numerous other obstacles that make remaining faithful to the end difficult. We can look at a few. Our personal sins. Aside from persecution and the cares and pleasures of the world, there is the matter of our own sinfulness that discourages us from finishing. Seeing our weakness, failing to do or be what we want to be in Christ can hinder our desire to continue in the faith. We feel we're a failure. Unbelievers drawing us away. How many people have ignored Paul's warning in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 16, not to be yoked or partnered with unbelievers and lived to regret it, even in my own family. Unbelievers influencing, discouraging believers to let go of their faith in order to maintain a friendship or some kind of business or family relationship. Those not committed to Christ will never be a help to us in remaining faithful. 
I'm not saying we shouldn't have relationships with non-Christians. That would be impossible. I'm just reminding you that those who refuse to believe and honour Christ will always be a challenge to our own faithfulness. So we have to be aware of this. So what does it take for Christians to remain faithful to the end and get to heaven? This is what it takes. Number one, it takes a firm decision. The first step in any successful enterprise is always a decision to go ahead and not quit until the end. We need to make up our minds about Christ once and for all. We're in or we're out, even, we don't know what the f even if we don't know what the future holds. Peter the Apostle was a good example of this. In uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, we see a situation where things were going badly as many disciples were deserting Jesus because it seemed that following him was becoming too difficult. Jesus turns to his, to his apostles and says, are you also going to leave? And in verse 68, Peter replies, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of it that give us eternal life. We believe and we know you are that, the one God, sorry, the one and only God, sorry, you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus said to his closest disciples, make up your minds, decide, are you in or are you out? Peter confirms his original decision to follow Jesus and gives the reason why. He's in all the way. You can't be faithful until, you're, until the end if you're continually questioning or renegotiating your decision to follow Christ. Think of the ideal spouse, the ideal husband or the ideal wife. Number one, they're totally faithful, without a doubt. Secondly, they're completely devoted to the family. And third, um, you're, they're there for you through the good times and the bad times, no matter what happens. So do you like the idea of a spouse like that? Well, if you decide that's the kind of, that's the kind of disciple you want to be, maybe you should also be that kind of spouse. It wouldn't hurt you to decide that. Being faithful to the end requires a firm decision once and for all for Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is my Lord and I will be faithful to him no matter what. Okay, so you've made the firm decision. You see, just because you made the decision doesn't automatically get you to the end faithfully. You need to realise that once you've made the decision, the gloves come off as far as the battle for your soul is concerned. Once you decide that you will be faithful, everything will lead you away from that decision. Sorry, everything to lead you away from that decision will come into your life. Here are some fairly common things that I've seen in my Christian life that lead you away. Your old life, whether it be your old sins, habits, activities, friends, etc., will reappear to draw you away from Christ. Someone or something will come between you and the church. Now the church is Christ's body and one of its functions is to help each member remain faithful to the Lord. So one of the ways someone is drawn away from Christ is for him or her to be separated from the church. People who are separated from the body, for whatever reason, can more easily be separated from the head of the body, Jesus. It has been described like a piece of glowing charcoal being taken from the barbecue fire. It soon goes cold. So in little time, without the support of the church, the body of believers, they may start to doubt because of their personal failure and remember those 
who be decided to follow Christ, take that pretty, that failure pretty hard. If you decide to follow Christ, it's very hard when you find you're not managing to keep the standard that you feel you should. So it may be a moral failure, maybe sickness, maybe financial trouble, maybe conflict at home or with other Christians. Many believers mistakenly equate failure with loss of faith or doubt. For example, if I really believe I wouldn't, if I really believe I wouldn't fail, or fail so badly or so often. The mistaken idea is that if God is good and my faith is true and the church is right, then all these things wouldn't happen. So why should I continue? What's the point? But the church will say, do not give up. There is God's grace to see you through. You haven't failed. You just failed that once. You can come back to the Lord. The grace of God will forgive you and uh, you're back on track. However, although we have heard John preaching many times in this church, John the pastor, a number of the, our church have fallen away. If you had a list of all the people who have ever attended our church, how many have left the church or even given up following Christ and gone back into the world? Sadly, and I hope it's not true, there may even be some here today who won't be here in a year, let alone at the end of their lives, all because they didn't face reality. Being faithful means facing opposition from every direction. That's why Jesus said, your enemies will be right on your, in your households, in Matthew 10, 36. Jesus didn't mention, sorry, Jesus didn't mean that you had to be at war with your family in order to be a Christian. He was simply warning those who had decided to follow him that in the battle for your faithfulness, even your own family could become an obstacle. That's how rough it can get. So if you want to be faithful to the end, it requires that you be aware of how nasty the fight will be and the price you'll have to pay to get there. But I do not want to drag you down with these thoughts as there are really good news for you in your Christian walk. Jesus is there through his spirit and with his church to help you all the way. There's great encouragement to be had. We just need to trust in the Lord. Jesus, Jesus has not asked us to do what is impossible. The Hebrews, Hebrew writer said that Jesus is the champion who initiates the perfect and perfects our faith in Hebrews 12.2. In other words, he's there at the beginning, helping us to believe into, into salvation, washing us clean of past sin in baptism, by his grace forgiving our sins when we repent, and blessing us with the Holy Spirit. And he's also there guiding and sustaining us each day in our walk of faith until the end, as he promised. In Matthew 28:20, 20, it says, I'm with you always, not sometimes, always. I will never fail you, I will never abandon you, he says in Hebrews 13:5. Now, Mayet's running a half marathon, and I'm sure John will be there at the end to cheer her on, but I'm sure also along the path, he'll be there, and when she feels a bit tired after five miles, he'll be there saying, come on, Maya, you can make it, you've done it before. And then maybe another five miles on, she's really sagging, and he'll say, come on, Maya. He won't just be there at the end waiting for her. He'll be there all the way along the, along the line. And it's like that with Jesus. He's there with us every step of the way. He doesn't just wait at the end and see, see if you made it or not. He's there with us every step of the way. He's not just on the finishing line waiting for us to arrive. 
and he sees us through every obstacle, discouragement and temptation. When we win, we trust that he will receive, we will receive our prize and thanksgiving. When we lose, we trust in his continued grace and mercy and we move on. When we're tempted, doubtful, discouraged or confused, we trust that he can and will enable us to continue believing in him and show us the way that we must go. We trust him enough to look forward to the promise of heaven and not backward to the many failings, our many failings. As Paul says, and I read at the beginning, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We trust him enough to know that, he has, that, that what he has promised, he will indeed give us at the end. So we run the race with confidence. Rather like um, Mayette's running her race, she wouldn't start the race if she didn't believe she would finish it. And we run our race with confidence too. You can't be faithful to the end without trusting in Jesus because that's what the journey is about, trust. We enter into the eternal heavenly realm by the power of the Son of God and are carried there by the, wing, by the wings of trust that we develop through a lifetime of faithfulness to him. There's an old saying that says, everybody wants to heaven, sorry, everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. That may be true of doubters and unbelievers because they don't know what to expect after death. They'd like to go to a heavenly place, but they're not sure it exists. So they'd rather stay here on earth as long as they can, just in case. For Christians, this saying should be changed to everybody wants to go to heaven. But read what the Bible says. It's only for a few. Make the decision once and for all to go there. And only a few are ready for the opposition that will they will encounter along the way and only a few are willing to completely trust Jesus to get them there safely. When Jesus said in Matthew 7.14, the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult, and only a few will ever find it. He wasn't saying that God wanted the way to be narrow and difficult for only a few on it. He just knew that not everybody, certainly not the majority, would be willing to give what it takes to find the road and follow it all the way home. I know that everyone here wants to go to heaven. I hope that after today, you'll also know what it will take to get there. Above all, be encouraged. God is on our side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Successfully, the uh, Amplified Version says. God bless you as you press on. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.